You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Amen. I want to talk this morning about what I believe the Lord wanted me to tell you, and that is this. There's nothing that can hold you back when you exercise your faith in Christ. I mean nothing at all. Sometimes people, they say things like this, well, Pastor, I've made so many mistakes, so I'm really kind of out of reach to receive uh, God's blessings. Remember this. The Bible said that God blots out our transgressions, and he says he will not remember them anymore, which means he doesn't keep a credit check on how good you are. He will bless you in spite of the mistakes that you made in your life. Other people have said things like this, well, I, you know, I've messed up too long, and, and I'm too old, and God can't do this, or I'm too young. Remember, God redeems the time. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Joshua. He's going to the promised land, and he's in a battle. And he knows that if he doesn't win the battle by the evening, they're just going to regroup. He's got to do it all over the next day. So he commands the sun to stand still, and you see, you see God causing time to stop, basically, so that he could win the battle. I've seen God take time. I've seen him restore things so fast. It normally takes years and years. He does it within months or does it within hours. My point is there's nothing, 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 nothing that you can't break through. There's no problem in your life that is holding you back that can't be broken. And I wanted to start with that's really what the whole message is about. But I've got some awesome truth that will help your faith fortify against these things that try to come against you. So if you would look up at the screen, this is the book of Hebrews. And notice what it says. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Several things I want you to see from this text. Number one, he says, hey, I want you to have confidence. I want you to stick with it. And if you stick with it, you're going to be able to receive the promise. The Greek word, therefore, receive, is not the word normally used when you believe you receive something away from the manifestation is a word that implies that what you receive, you enjoy at that moment. In other words, like a dog that you give him a bone, he runs off chewing that bone. He's, that's the type of receiving. And so he's talking about the people of God experiencing the benefits of the manifested promises of God. If they would just endure, keep their faith, stay confident, that was going to happen. And then he quotes from the Old Testament and it is a little bit misleading because he's, he mentions Christ coming back. But in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, he's not talking about Jesus' second coming. He's talking about the Lord coming and manifesting in your life. You see that all through Scripture where the Lord came and brought judgment or the Lord came and brought a blessing. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying that God will not be pleased with us if we draw back. Too many Christians settle for whatever the world throws at them. And you see this oftentimes with younger people. They start out, they have all this vision of life and, and they go through their life and whatever. And then by the time they hit 35 or 38, they very rarely talk about the vision. That's because they've realized 
You've got to go through some things to get to it. And many times those same young people lower the vision. I want you to hear today that God doesn't want you to draw back. God has breakthrough in your life that'll make your mind go crazy. It'll put a jump in your step. It'll put a slide in your glide. It will cause your joy to be unspeakable, full of glory. If you would say, I'm not going to draw back. Whatever Satan has tried to take from me, I'm going to get it back and much more. I want you to say this with me. I'm going to get back what's lost and much more. Say it like you mean it. I'm going to get back what's lost and much more. Say much more. Say much more. Say much more. Hallelujah. This is something I think sometimes people give up way too soon when God is in the business of blessing you. Now, in the verse that we just read, at the end it said this, so that their soul might be saved. Write this down. A saved soul is a renewed mind. Say it with me. A saved soul is a renewed mind. When your mind is renewed, you're able to receive from God fully what he has promised. To give you an example of it in a small portion, you remember the leopard came to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, cleanse me. He knew that God was able, but he wasn't sure if God was willing to touch him. Jesus reached forth his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In other words, he got revelation about God's willingness in his life. That's what he needed for his renewed mind to be able to receive the miracle that God has for you. And some of you here today, you're not sure. You know God's able, but you're not sure if God is willing to heal you. You don't know if he's willing to prosper you, willing to make your marriage better. And I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you through Scripture that he is. Amen? And that revelation is how your soul is saved because your inner man, if you've accepted Christ, is already saved. I'm talking about your mind. God saves our thinking this way. Can you say amen, everybody? So I wanted to bring that out, and I want to say this, that the Bible tells us that what we should do is we should give no place to the devil. The word place, talking about a geographical place, a location in someone's life. And what I want you to hear from this, and it's very important. Satan, if you give him an inch, he'll take 10,000 miles. He'll never be satisfied with just a little bit. He'll want to keep taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking until your faith just withers away. And you end up the end of your days miserable and wiped out. God doesn't want that. He wants you to give no place to the devil. If it belongs to you in Christ, receive it. If God died for you to have it, then receive it. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give in. Years ago, I had a personal experience in this. And Joyce and I, we, had, we were living on six acres with a, a module home, double wide module, on the six acres. And... Uh, so once we moved in, I went around checking, around checking out the property, and the neighbor had already put up a fence on his side. It was a, a metal fence. And I looked at our property and where he put the fence, and his fence was 20 feet over 
on my property. But being a good Christian, I didn't want to make an issue about it. I mean, I wasn't using it anyway. So I, I you know, initially I was just going to not even say anything about it. But then I felt compelled by the Lord. So I began to do some research on it and found out that if I didn't contest what my neighbor had did, within five years, it would have been his property. Can you say amen? There's a lot of Christians that just look the other way. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to learn to live with it. He'll steal from you. Well, I want you to buck up and say, no, praise God, this belongs to me. I'm going to lay hold of it. I'm not going to give you an inch. I'm not going to give you a quarter of an inch. I'm not going to give you any part of my life, whether my marriage, whether my finances, whether my health. I'm going to stand my ground, praise God. And if you've taken something from me, I'm going to receive it back in Jesus' name. Amen? And I'm not going to allow you to cheat me out of what God has for me in my life. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. You've got to take possession of the promises to have them change your life. It doesn't just fall on you like, like, like ripe grapes. You have to take possession of what God promises, and you have to fight the good fight of faith. And if you fight the good fight of faith, you will see it in your life at some time. But don't draw back. Don't draw back, church. Don't be wimpy. Don't draw back. Don't settle for less than his best. Don't settle for just enough. Settle for more than enough. Don't settle just to be sick. Settle for be well. Don't settle. Don't settle for that. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I think will really help you. It's a principle you find all through the scriptures that shows you how God equips us to increase our bank, increase our treasury, increase our vision. How does God prepare you for more? How does he prepare you for going beyond what you're used to handling? How does he do that? It's through faithfulness. Faithfulness is a consistency in doing the right thing all the time. Even when you don't feel like it, you keep doing the right thing. Faithfulness is a key that I want to hit you with today that I think is very significant. We live in a culture that doesn't really know what faithfulness is, but it is a consistency in doing the right thing over and over again, no matter how hard it is. It sets you up for great success. Write this down, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. Jesus is teaching a parable about an unjust steward. And he says this after the parable. He says this. He says... Whoever is unfaithful with little is unfaithful with much. And whoever is un unjust with little is unjust with much. Therefore, if you're not faithful with unrighteous manna, talking about money, who's going to give to you or put in your trust true riches? And he says, if you're not faithful with another man's stuff, who's going to give you your own stuff? That's a little bit of a paraphrase, but I want you to see that. Now, notice what he's telling. He's saying that the key to getting more is to be faithful with the little that you got. 
Be faithful with where your marriage is right now. Be faithful on your job where you are right now. Be faithful right now in church where you are right now. It may not be the big things, but it's a little thing. Be faithful with it. And God then will say, okay, I can entrust more to you. Because if you're faithful with little, you'll also be faithful with much. I can give you more than enough with plenty left over if you are just a faithful person in your life. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It's just that simple. Going to church, prayer, forgiveness, raising children. Be faithful. Be faithful with the little that you have. Money, be faithful with it. It's one thing to be faithful when you're not making any money. It's, it's another thing to be faithful when you are making good money. And God says, I'm going to entrust to you, and you won't blow it if you develop faithfulness in your life. Faithfulness in your marriage. I mean, come on. Don't let your eyes wander. You want to check out a babe, check out your wife. You want to check out a man, check out your husband. I realize he may lost his six-pack and he's got a cake, but check him out. In other words, don't let your eyes wander in the wrong way. You got to be faithful the way you think, faithful the way you talk, faithful the way you do things. And if you do that, it prepares you for great blessings. In Proverbs, it, it has some verses I really love. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And it says, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. I love that verse. But what is so powerful about it is, it also says in Proverbs that many people do things that they think are right that are wrong. In other words, the word says that people have a tendency to do things that they think are right that are wrong. But he says it leads to destruction in your life. It's kind of like uh, many times you deal with immorality within the church and uh, I know that younger people and even older people many times will put what they think above the word and think it's all right because they think the way they think is better it's like a couple wanting to get married say well well, let's move move in together because uh, you know this is how I think I think if we moved in together we'd really find out if we're compatible before we make that big step of getting married but the truth of the matter is, the Word of God, our Creator, tells us very clearly that intimacy without commitment will destroy both parties. Anyone that sins sexually is, is sinning against their own body. It affects you. And I'll just go a step farther with this. It, it will affect you even after you're married. Don't shout me down, because there's a difference between having sex when it's lawful and having sex when it's unlawful there's a di- oh, just praise the lord <laughs> yeah all right praise god you bad i don't want to talk about that i'm gonna talk about it anyway praise god i want you to be blessed highly favored blessed come on come on come on come on i want you to be faithful with the little things so god says okay next millionaire in church that's you next billionaire in church is you come on i, I want you to be that person that God says, I can entrust a lot to you because you have been faithful with little in your life. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm going to be faithful. Come on, tell me you're going to be faithful. 
I know what you're thinking. I'm already faithful. No, no, no. You need to work on it. So we all need to work on it. Amen? Now write this down. I want to give you a couple of verses that will really help. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Paul makes this statement. He says, I want to speak to you a trustworthy statement. And the trustworthy statement is this. He says this. If you've died with him, you will live with him. Now, what he's saying is if you're born again, you have died to sin, and you've been raised up in Christ, and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, which means God will be with you all the time, even when you don't feel like he's there. If you're a new creation, he is going to be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Amen. And then the next part I like the, like the most, it says this, if you endure, you shall reign with him. Endure. In other words, he said, if you want God to reign in your life, you're going to have to endure, and you can't endure unless you're faithful. You can't stick with it unless you're faithful. But he says, if you do, you will reign with him. In other words, he's going to reign through your life. He's going to reign through your marriage. He's going to reign through your career. He's going to reign through your vision. Praise God. Come on. This is good. And then he gives a couple negatives and says, if you deny him, he will deny you. In other words, if you deny Christ in this life, don't plan on getting to heaven and go, to, okay, it's all right, come on in, we're going to let you come in. No, it don't work that way. You either follow God in this life or the life to come, you're going to be separated from God and cast in the lake of fire. We don't want that. That's why we preach the gospel of the good news. Amen. I'm not going to deny him. Hallelujah. He's in my life. He controls my life. He's the Lord of my life. I don't care if people get upset about it or not. Jesus is my Lord. So he says, if you deny him, you'll be done. And then he says, and if you're faithful, he is faithful to himself. What does that mean? It means that unlike many times people will change their story because of what other people do, God will always be true to himself. Ever know someone that got hurt by a woman or, or a woman got hurt by a man and she puts up a wall and says, I'll never, get, I'll, never, uh, I'll never let down my guard again. And you see this maybe with second marriages, third marriages, where separate checking accounts, all that. And that's because the first one they married hurt them so bad, they put up a wall and say, I'm not going to be open like it was in the first one. God's not like that. I don't care if all of America rejects Christ. God will never change what he says. If God said that he would heal you, if you believed you received, then God will heal you if you believe you received. Come on, everybody. If God said that he would prosper you, I don't care what the, whether America receives him or not. If you believe and if you're qualified and you do what his word says, you in return will be blessed over abundantly above all that you can think or ask. He doesn't change. Cultures change, but God's word never changes. And God will always do what he said that he was going to do in his life. And you know what I love about this is that you can't endure, you can't be faithful unless you are faithful to say the right things, to cast on the negative thoughts that hit your mind. See, we're all just a moment away from a miracle. See, the reality is... 
Jesus said, if you don't doubt what you say from your heart, you will have what you say. The problem is we all get hit with doubt. It hits me, I feel it, whatever. But here's a key. This is a simple thing you can always remember. If you don't say it, you'll never own it. You get all kinds of negative thoughts hit you, but if you don't say it, you'll never own it. Come on, you, you understand what I'm saying? If you don't say it, you'll never own it. You, you know, the thoughts come, you're not getting any, you, don't say it, don't, don't say it. Don't, the thought comes, you're not going to make it. Don't say it, don't say it. Jesus said, uh, don't, don't say, what shall you eat? What shall you wear? What shall you drink? Why, sufficient is the evil in the day. In other words, don't say it, don't say it. Because if you say it, you own the, the worry, and the worry gets in your heart, and you can't get the breakthrough that God wants you to have in your life. Come on, church. So, it's a simple truth, but yet it's one that every one of us need to embrace spiritually. Make sure that you never say what the doubts are telling you to say in your mouth. Don't verbalize it, and your faith inside will win every time. Praise God. It'll win every time. The devil just wait. If I can just get him to say something. If I can just get him to say What's the use? If I can just get him to say, God's never going to prosper. If I can just get him to say, I want to get a divorce. If I can just get him to say it. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what you own in Christ. And once you understand what you own in Christ, you're not going to have this problem. Amen. See, one of the things that I love about the word in Psalms, it says, the entrance of his word gives light. Whew. When I study the word, it enlightens me to what truth is. That puts me in a position that I know how to do the right things. And it puts me in a position my faith will not fail through that word. Let me give you some verses. These verses, I, I wrote them especially because they're really powerful. These increased my desire. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man will abound in blessings. But he who makes haste, it says, to be rich shall not be innocent. Proverbs 21.20 says, and I like this one. It says that in a wise man's house are precious treasures and oil in his dwelling. One translation says this. In a wise man's house is riches and luxury. Am I the only one that thinks that's exciting? <laughs> I just drove to church this morning. I, I, I put a little button on and the seats are heated. I push a button and my steering wheel heats up. Talk about luxury. Say amen, everybody. Praise God. I go home, watch TV. I get electric thing just tips me out like that. Just, whoa, come on. Come on, praise God. These verses are so powerful. And here's, here's one of my favorites. It's in Job 36, 11. And this was spoken by the only friend that Job had that God did not rebuke. Remember the three friends he rebuked that said the wrong things about God? This is the only one that said things that were right about God. And you know what he said? He said, if you obey him and serve him, it says that you'll live your days in prosperity and you'll live your days in pleasure. Yeah, that's pretty weak. 
Come on, this ain't some dead church. Come on, we ought to get excited about that, praise God. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties in your life. But it does mean that God's best includes not just your needs, but your wants in life. Now, I don't know if you can handle the next truth that I'm preaching. I preached it this morning. I thought I was going to bounce off the stage. It's that good. I want you to write this down. I want to show you the difference between two words. Remission and forgiveness. In the Bible, the word remission is different than the word forgiveness. There's a slight difference. They go together, but they're different. Peter, when he preached a sermon at the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit came on him, he told the people afterwards, he says, I want you to repent, say amen, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Say remission. Now, remission, here's, here's what remission is. Remission is when someone pays the price for something. In other words, remission, uh, let's say you're in debt and somebody takes out of their own pocket and pays that debt off. That's remission. And when you got saved, you know what, you know what Jesus did? Jesus hung on that cross paid the price for sickness and disease, paid the price for prosperity, paid the price for sin, paid it. God didn't just forgive you. He paid the price for it on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Now, now forgiveness is a little bit different. It's different. Forgiveness is uh, someone says, Listen, you did me wrong, but I'm not going to punish you for it. God has brought remission of sins and forgiveness in our lives. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Woo, glory to God. I, oh, man. I don't know what to do. I got to come down here, man. Praise God. I, woo. You, you got to hear this. This is, this is just, this is outstanding. In other words, on the cross, Jesus paid the debt for sin. But he didn't just pay the debt for sin. He paid the debt for the consequences of sin. Do you understand what the consequences of sin is? Galatians 3 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was the consequence of sin which is, first of all, spiritual death. You remember when Adam sinned uh, in the garden, God said, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. He didn't die physically. He died spiritually, and there was a separation of, of him and God. But when Jesus came on the cross, he paid the price for that separation so that we could be one with Christ, so that we could be blessed with Christ. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, it tells you what the curse is. It's spiritual death, but it's more than that. It's poverty. It's lack. It's, 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 it's murder. It's broken families. It's disease. It's hardship. It's suffering from evil. That's what the curse is, because that's the consequence of sin. 
If that's a consequence of sin is broken family. The consequence of sin is sickness and disease. The consequence of sin is, is lack and poverty. And Jesus on that cross, hung on that cross. And it says, we know by the grace of God that, that Jesus, though he was rich, he was made poor in order that through his poverty we might be made rich. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? He paid the price for your success. He didn't just forgive you. He also paid the price. He didn't say, okay, they committed that sin. I'm just going to push it away. No, he paid the price for that disease. He paid the price for that illness. He paid the price for that poverty so that you could go freely to the Father and you could freely receive from God whatever you need, praise God. No wonder the Bible says in Romans 8 that how God wouldn't, wouldn't give up his only son, how much more does he freely, freely, freely with his son give us all things? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.